I'm Jordan Weitzman, and you're listening to Magic Hour. It was so nice getting together with Genesis Buzz to catch up and hear about what she's been up to. We first met at Skowhegan a few summers ago, a time when she was just coming out of grad school at Yale. Since then, she started teaching at Pratt in the New School, has a book coming out next year with Capricious, and this past month opened a show with Jenny Kalivas in Justine Curlin's studio space called Silt of Each Other. Genesis' work often deals with her roots growing up between the U.S. and Puerto Rico. It's sometimes surreal, other times more steeped in reality, and always leaves the meaning of what you're looking at open to interpretation. When I was in graduate school, I only made video (laughs) and moving images for a while. Mm. And then I realized that I could do something similar with photographs that I could, instead of the image moving, I could have the viewer's eye move, right? Mm. Like throughout the frame. Was it more, was it like more of a challenge or, mm, or or a different kind of? It almost feels like mission impossible or something, right? (laughs) To like (laughs) create movement with something that is so inherently still and frozen right you're literally freezing movement for example i'm thinking about the picture of the two girls leaning into each other at a restaurant whispering into each other's ear Mm -hmm. and one is tracing the edge of a cup of water Mm -hmm. right um that to me feels like it's so much about movement in a bunch of ways like first of all your eye is moving around the the rectangle, the picture plane, right? Mm -hmm. Like that there are things coming in from the edges of the picture. Um, and there multiple things are kind of illuminated throughout the picture. So your eye, your, your eye is literally moving around, but then there's, (laughs) there's the girl who is like tracing the rim of the cup of water. And then all of a sudden you start to kind of fill in the blank of that sound. And I'm like, Oh, you can make, can you make a photograph about sound? Mm. Can you make a photograph about movement? That's really interesting. That's really, and then of course there's the whisper. I mean, I love that photo. It's an amazing photo, by the way. Mm, And, um, yeah. Mm. And I love that photo. It's, it's interesting to hear you talk about, um, movement and sound mm-hmm. as in terms of like what it's actually what mm-hmm. it's about mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that whisper mm-hmm. to me i always go to the whisper first mm-hmm. and and that is um that's the thing that keeps you keeps you going back i mean mm. i've been re- i've been reading this amazing um philip gustin book these mm-hmm. these interviews with him and um there's just this great section where he um, he's talking about the enigma and what mm. it means. Mm. And to me that, f- and, and just how the, it, like it's the enigma that keeps you coming back to something, mm. coming back mm-hmm. to an image, whether a painting mm-hmm. or a photo. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't know, that picture really does that. Mm. It's like, mm. I don't know, the se- the whisper, the secret, you know, you yeah. want, you want to know what it is, but it yeah. never resolves itself. But it never resolves itself and you kind of have to complete it mm-hmm. or, maybe not complete it because it never really resolves itself, but then like you become part of the, uh, like you have to fill in the blank. You have to kind of then try to imagine what that whisper sounds like or feels like. Right. 
But what's interesting is that I've never thought about it in terms of the sonic relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And actually, that was what I think drew me to one of the things that drew me to video, too, was this whole other dimension that was sound. And sound to me is fascinating because it's invisible. Mm-hmm. right but it's so but it's still it's present right so something and that's something that i think a lot about in when i'm making photographs like how can i make a photograph of something that is invisible or how can i use the visible world to trace something invisible mm. that makes sense yeah so that photograph of the girls in the restaurant and the whisper which is actually called the sound of a circle Hmm. um that was like my bridge that was my transition photo from making video clips for a year and being really lost and not really Hmm. knowing what i was doing and not and kind of unsure if i wanted to be making video work or or go into filmmaking. So how do you go about make, like starting to make photos? Like, in, mm-hmm. just talk, I'm sticking on that one in particular. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, was it like, uh, it, it, that photo looks real. Mm. It looks like it's really happening. Mm. But was it? I mean, was it like, uh, yeah? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're asking, like, was that something that I directed or was it something that I like responded to that was just like happening and I took a picture of it? Is sure. that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so actually I had been trying to make a picture of a whisper for many years. Hmm. <laughs> and I tried it with myself and somebody else. I tried it with a couple other people. It didn't work. Like it just like wasn't, I don't really know what I was looking for, but whatever image would emerge didn't resonate with me. I tried that picture with those two girls, Lily and Brianna, who um, were um, teenagers living in New Haven. And Um, We tried making that picture in my studio. It didn't work. And then one day we went out for lunch because I casted them and to make a bunch of pictures. And we're going to get lunch before we started making photos. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, after we finished lunch, the the light moved into the restaurant. Mm -hmm. It was hitting in the right way. And everyone's guard was down a little bit because we're all relaxed and we just had food. And so I directed the image in that moment. Like I kind of uh, moved the plates away and I was like, okay, Lily, Nat, can you like lean into Brianna and like tell her a secret? And then Brianna started to trace the cup of water by herself. So it was both somewhere between like directing and improvising. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And Mm. (laughs) yeah, it's funny how, it, it it almost doesn't matter. I mean, because the picture looks looks the way it looks, which mm-hmm. is, you know, sort of the only thing that matters. But it is interesting mm-hmm. when that happens. Right. And I think something that photography uniquely allows you to, to work with, right? Like mm-hmm. all of the things that are kind of unfolding and present, presenting themselves to you all around you all, all the time. So I like to invite those things in. For example, there were crumbs on the table that actually kind of mimic these Christmas lights that are in like the background, which also mimic <laughs> her, um, Brianna's little yellow hair clips, right? It's like, that's like an incredible kind of like a chance, sure. um, moment of chance. Um, but then I do like the intentionality of um, kind of starting an image with a gesture or with an idea. 
and kind of bringing some parameters to then kind of improvise within. Right, I relate to that. It's like a starting point. It's a starting point. You yeah, need a starting it's a starting point. point. Yeah. And I don't know if it's exactly. the same in your experience, but it's all—it's never usually what you expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's the exciting part. Yeah, and there's so much that you can't see in the moment of making a photograph because when you're looking through the viewfinder, you know, you can't look at all of the things at once. It's like, I'm I'm focusing on, you know, making sure that the person's face is in in focus. Um, And then in, when I look at the photograph, I'm, you know, I'm realizing there was so much more that I couldn't see in the moment. Yeah, it's like that Friedlander thing, you know, talk, he has like a really great quote to it. Exactly. It's like photography is a really generous medium. You know? Yeah, You yeah. just wanted like the dog or the uncle mm-hmm. in front of the mm-hmm. car or something and you mm-hmm. end up getting all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, photography can sometimes feel like such an extension of sight of what it was that you were looking at, but you really need Again, you can't look at it. Like, I'm looking at your living room right now, and I can only really look at one thing at a time, and then I see things in the periphery, right? Mm-hmm. But a photograph can put everything kind of in focus, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Or with the slowness of a photograph, I can kind of look at everything yeah. at, at once. So it's actually not exactly the way we see our, or our, our eyes function. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. This, this was actually David Hockney's obsession with those joiners. Do you know those mm, photos? No. Like the one he would like, he was literally super interested in exactly what you're describing hmm. and hmm. literally how we see. He mm. was like obsessed with the cubists mm-hmm. and like, uh, you know, that, I don't know, sort of, um, I don't know, description of how we see and brought that into photography. And so he would, he, he would, he took many photos of, let's say this room and then join them together so you had this tapestry oh. of photos oh yeah yeah yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yes exactly i know exactly what you're talking about the, they're like a collage exactly yes 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 and I then and, and it's like col- a collage of like details in the thing because yeah, yeah of like and yeah. he was literally saying exactly what you're describing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. exactly like flat he's like flattening all of the perspectives like into yeah one. sure mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah which so, which then also kind of reminds me a little bit of cubism if you think about it yeah um, like cubism kind of flattening all of these various perspectives into one yeah sure yeah <laughs> so but that's a tangent <laughs> tangents are good uh, yeah tangents are good. because this is you know doing these kinds of conversations i feel like is all it's it's very similar to taking photos mm. like you you come in you can do your homework you could have mm-hmm. all all your preconceived ideas mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you know you're talking with someone mm-hmm. and you know you're, you start talking about sound and i had not thought of sound you know at all like it's not it wasn't in my homework mm-hmm. but th- it's super interesting yeah. so yeah it's always this this um push and pull between go, do you go in the direction you initially had intended or do you follow the conversation or follow yeah. The, yeah 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 exactly and for me that really resonates with the process of of art making it's like whatever plan you have is just to get you out the door right. you know and get you started but then the things that end up emerging which usually you end up kind of picking up with time it's like you make something and 
the more you pay attention to it like over time over the years it just keeps revealing and conjuring new ideas <laughs> which is fascinating and those are like usually way more interesting than like the original thing that you thought the work was going to be about totally so let me ask you a question so you just you were just talking about um you know sort of moving from um i don't know film to photography mm. and um you know we were just talking about that one particular image which is i don't know it, it has surreal qualities to it but it's very mm -hmm. steeped in reality mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but you have so that's i feel like one mode of your picture making mm -hmm. but then you also have another mode which mm -hmm. is more abstract mm -hmm. more surreal mm -hmm. more dreamy mm -hmm. where when did that other mode come into mm. being when i'm making pictures for example with mirrors um, which are maybe some of the ones that you might be thinking about when mm -hmm. you when you ask me that question. Um, like a, there are pictures of like mirrors in snow or like a mirror leaning against this green wall. Um, and then, you know, it's casting all sorts of crazy shadows. Um, for me, first and foremost, it feels like a relief to work very slowly like there is like a I enjoy also like working alone as well as working with people yes like I, I'm like very I just I feel very split in in that way like I can be very social uh, but I can also be very kind of hermetic wow we are so on the same page really <laughs> yeah I've been thinking about that a lot lately too yeah. yeah 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 and I actually feel like I need both and I feel like these quiet these these um you know processes that allow me to be more like hermetic um and 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 quiet energize me um but anyhow yeah, you know, those pictures, I, I actually kind of think about them in terms of like a fragmentation. There's like a fragmentation of like the picture and we have like multiple um, perspectives. Actually, this kind of relates to what we were just talking about a minute ago. Like multiple perspectives are being presented to us um, and like flattened into one picture plane. Mm-hmm. There is also I, I just keep thinking about this picture specifically of like the mirrors in the snow. Like there's this disorientation that's happening where it's like, are we looking at the sky or is this like a, a cloudscape, a skyscape, or is this you know, or is this foam or is this like in the ground covered in snow and that disorientation feeling yeah, like it kind of ties into some of the things that I'm that I'm thinking about in the other pictures like I feel like they're all kind of talking about similar ideas but usually using different languages which relates to my lived experience right of like occupying various identities which we all do of course but mm -hmm. specifically for me like growing up speaking multiple languages growing up like existing in various cultures simultaneously um, what, what language did you speak growing up 
Spanish. Mm-hmm. I spoke Spanish. You spoke Spanish at home? Yeah, I spoke yeah. Spanish before I spoke English, actually. It's oh, my really? first language. Yeah. So this kind of like oscillating between various languages mm-hmm. and modes of expression is kind of how my brain works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like a long <laughs> roundabout way of explaining it, but yeah. it feels very natural to me. Right. I'm really interested in that, uh, in the whole together and alone thing, because... Mm. Oftentimes you get into it like an introvert, extrovert, extrovert mm-hmm. discussion and mm-hmm. you sort of need to pick sides. But, yeah. but I, you know, <laughs> I feel like so often I think of, you know, why can't you be a bit of both? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Having both those kind of, I don't know, predisposition, predispositions. Or, yeah, totally. And it just yeah. like depends on the context and depends on the conditions that you're in. Like sometimes I really... Yeah, like I really like crave that social connection or like a picture or an idea really needs that set of conditions in order for interesting mm-hmm. things to emerge. And then sometimes, sometimes it can be simpler than mm-hmm. that. Sometimes it can be like a piece of cutout paper on a wall. Sure. You know, it's <laughs> so interesting that we're talking about this because sometimes you have certain things you're thinking about, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't know. You don't, <laughs> I don't know, you don't um, make the assumption that someone else is thinking about them too. But mm. in this, uh, you know, in, 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 my, in my book, mm-hmm. as I was working on the edit, thinking about these exact same ideas and how, I w- and how I hadn't thought about them in making the pictures, but in putting them together and thinking about the relationships between the two, mm. it almost became all about that for me. Mm. You know, be, and, and then finding these other kind of, I don't know, contrasts or relationships you know mm-hmm. being being with people and being alone being mm-hmm. you know inside outside you know being mm-hmm. inside and being outside mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. at home and then wandering in the world and mm-hmm. yeah and and it's, and it's so interesting to to see how other people express those same ideas like the way you're speaking about mm-hmm. with those two kind of modes of picture making mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that kind of i don't know seeing stuff in the world versus construction or versus, yeah, yeah 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 totally yeah. yeah and sometimes they kind of need each other or something like i'm thinking about they feel like okay i'm gonna bring it back to sound again yeah they feel like different notes or like different instruments or something right like in in a composition sometimes one picture or one kind of picture right whether it's like the ones outside versus the ones inside or the more abstract ones versus the ones like based in a more kind of recognizable um reality that they kind of exalt each other and you kind of need need both yeah you know to like really appreciate the other totally so do you does that um I don't know. Does all this relate to your et- to how you edit, to, mm. or how you think about I don't know, bookmaking? Or, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. So that's all very new to me. But mm-hmm. <laughs> bookmaking is very new to me. I'm so excited about it. You're I working on a new book now. I'm working on a new book. You won the capricious uh, the capricious yeah. Fo- is it the photo book award? Yeah, the capricious photo award. Capricious yeah. photo award. Yep. Right. Yeah. 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 Which is an award. Um, to make a book with yeah. Capricious Publishing. Um, so I start that 
next year in 2023. Amazing. I am so excited. Yeah. So so the book is going to come out next year, but you, you started working we on start, it? So, yeah. No, no, no. So we start working on it next year. Oh. Yeah, because this year there were two winners. Uh-huh. Um, Roberto Tondopo, who is based in Mexico, hmm. and myself. And Roberto starts um, their book uh, now. So whenever they finish um, Roberto's book, then I, I begin um, making mine. So my book probably won't be out for at least another year, if not a little bit longer. Mm. Um, but I'm so excited. Yeah, for sure. And it's a great <laughs> yeah, thing to look forward to. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have any titles in mind yet? Oh my God, I have no idea. No idea? <laughs> but I feel like I, it feels, hmm, when I think about the actual book, I sense something blue. Hmm. Like I just keep thinking blue. I mean, I'm, you know, for... Yeah, you're in you blue guys today. can't see me, but like I'm wearing a blue onesie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like a blue jumpsuit. I love blue. Very exciting. Yeah. And you just did that little publication with, um, yeah, with Ma- Ma- is it Matariles? Yeah, Matarile. Yeah, Matarile Ma- yeah. Ediciones. Yeah. So I made this um, zine uh, book um, with Marta Naranjo Sandoval, who's yeah. a genius. She's amazing. Yeah, I met her the other day at Dashwood. She's yeah. incredible. She's yeah, yeah. And she, that process of editing that zine with her was such an education um, in bookmaking and also in my own work, like the things I was able to see <laughs> uh, that I couldn't see before just from decontextualizing and recontextualizing images was so fascinating. Um, it's like, oh, I thought I knew what this image was about, or I thought I saw everything there was to see in this picture, and then suddenly now it's next to this other picture, and I'm seeing all this other stuff. That felt like a really great kind of um, uh, experience in editing and bookmaking. That's it, it got me all excited about this new book that's coming out with Capricious. Yeah, it's kind of like I got a little taste of it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jordan Weitzman, and you're listening to my conversation with Genesis Baez that we recorded in New York. To find out more about the show and our books, visit us at magichourphoto.org. When I sent um, some of the uh, zines to Puerto Rico over the summer to my family and then like checking the tracking and seeing that it was like (laughs) in my aunt's mailbox (laughs) waiting for her to come home from work and that like you know that it was so accessible and could just like it was just like moving around the world and you know suddenly my family could see my work not on a screen but like hold it and have it in their home for sure um so you still have quite a bit of family there? Yeah, all of my fa- most of my family is there. My <laughs> mm-hmm. my parents and my brother are here in the states and I have actually have some um uh cousins that I just learned about this summer and met who live here in the Lower East Side who aren't far. Mm. <laughs> like kind of live around the corner from here. Oh wow. And we reconnected and my god I have my godmothers in Chicago and I yeah, so I have some family in the states but the majority of my family is in Puerto Rico. Mm. And how are they? How, how are they all doing lately? Yeah, they're they're what? they're okay. Like, <laughs> in the immediate sense. I yeah. mean, it's early October as we are recording this, so there was um, Hurricane Fiona just uh, 
hit Puerto Rico a couple weeks ago and a lot of people are still without power. Um, it's very intense. My family regained power and water and they're doing as okay as one can be in yeah. this time, but it's like, it's very stressful. Yeah. It's very stressful. For sure. But, um, but they're okay. Okay. Well, I'm, that I'm glad to hear. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So what else have you been up to lately? You teach as well, right? I teach. Where do you teach? I teach, um, I adjunct at both uh, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn yeah. and um, at Parsons Yeah. here in Manhattan. I teach um, undergrads and grad students, mm-hmm. teach photography, teach video. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm teaching three classes this semester. Um, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, but I love my students. I'm really, really great students this semester. Yeah. I mean, every semester I have such great, I have some great students, but I've met some really special people in the last month. Um, and then next semester, I'm going to actually be, um, like temporarily relocating or splitting my time between Williamstown, Massachusetts mm-hmm. and Brooklyn because I'm going to be teaching at Williams College, mm. which I'm very excited about. So I was invited as like a guest professor there for, for the semester. And um, as you might know, I grew up in Massachusetts or part of my life I spent in Massachusetts. Right. So I'm actually really excited <laughs> to be, even though when I lived there, I couldn't wait to get out, but I'm really <laughs> excited to kind of go back there and actually make some work there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 So that's on, that's on the horizon. And speaking of being both extrovert and a hermit, I'm really looking forward to, yeah, like being a bit of a hermit in Western mass. You mm-hmm. know, I think that, um, those times of isolation can be really generative. And with like the book coming up too, mm. where, it would be really good. Where more specifically did you grow up in, uh, in Mass? I grew up in a town called Attleboro, which is about 40 minutes south of Boston. It's mm-hmm. on the east side of Massachusetts. So it's fairly different to where I'll be living next month. Um, the town I grew up in was um, like at one time was very industrial. Lots of factories. It's like a small factory town mm. outside Boston. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Where, where is Dorchester? Dorchester is part of the like greater Boston metro oh, area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Have you been to Dorchester? <laughs> no, I haven't. But I don't know why Dorchester days just pop into my head. That mm. Eugene Richards photo book. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing book. And it's one of the first books that um, someone who... Someone turned me on to it. Uh, her name was Marilyn, and her name is Marilyn. <laughs> and mm. yeah, she was super important to me. First, getting into photography, we would mm. hang out, and mm. she'd show me photo books, mm. and um, and that was one of the first ones that she showed me that really kind of I don't mm. know got me going. Oh, interesting. Yeah, very, all like pictures from Dorchester, but like you know, huh. beautiful, beautiful. And also hard, very hard pictures. Yeah, 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 interesting. That reminds me of one of the first photo books that got me really excited, um, which is a compli- a really complicated book for for many reasons. But um, it was um, Bruce Davidson's East One Hundredth Street. Oh yeah, actually, because it was one of the first 
photo books where I saw Puerto Rican people, mm. like in photographs. Yeah. Um, so I can relate. I mm. can relate to what you're, yeah. what you're describing. How do you think about it now? Hmm. Well, I think it's complicated, right, for a person who wasn't from Spanish Harlem to be going into these apartments and people's lives were very difficult. Um, and there was the pictures depict a lot of suffering. Um, and yeah, like I just, I, I wonder, it just feels complicated, right? For someone who wasn't experiencing that suffering to kind of go in there and depict that suffering, right? And then ultimately, like, what, where does the book go? Where do the fo the photographs live afterwards? Do the people who are in them see them? But one thing that is kind of interesting about those photographs is that they were actually used in a lot of um, tenant law organizing Mm -hmm. and tenant or excuse me like tenants rights organizing um as kind of proof of like look how difficult people's lives are <laughs> mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and uh, you know and one of the many reasons is because landlords are exploiting people right mm. and there are no there are very little laws protecting tenants like this needs to change sure. so it's interesting that those photographs were actually kind of part of that yeah and they had some kind of positive effect yeah, yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, I'm just thinking of uh, of this thing that someone told me recently about Jean-Luc Godard, who just passed away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, someone wrote this little piece who studied under the filmmaker and photographer Babette Mongolt, mm. who is French and I think knew Godard. And... Um, she was She was speaking about him and this student said something like you know how could you speak you know he's such a chauvinist like uh, mm -hmm. animal like how could you really you know praise him and babette said something like yes he's a pig but you have to look at all of his films mm -hmm. he's a pig but you have to look at all of his films mm -hmm. and it's a, almost like a similar i'm not saying bruce davidson i'm not making that analogy of him being sure. a pig i mean sure, sure, he's sure, a, sure. a lovely man <laughs> but you know, even with work that might be problematic, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, looking through it, a, a, a new lens, yeah. it's okay to hold those two together. Absolutely. You know? yeah. 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 Right. And we like, we have critical thinking skills. We're like, you know, sensitive sure. people and we can kind of, you know, I don't think um, we need to like censor that work or like not show it or, or, or not look at it right like yeah. necessarily but I think it is important to kind of yeah like be critical of it but I can still like look at it <laughs> right and definitely maybe, maybe learn something from it but but you know it's interesting actually that like going back to your your book about Dorchester right that like another kind of overlap um, aside from like maybe the time and when these pictures were made was that the parameter was place, right? Mm -hmm. It was like mm -hmm. Dorchester, the neighborhood of Dorchester in Boston, the neighborhood of, um, you know, Spanish Harlem in Manhattan. Um, like that was the parameter. And that like this idea of place um, is something that <laughs> kind of haunts me in my, in my work. Um, 
and is kind of central to my work actually even if like a place isn't directly depicted in my images so when i started making photographs place was my a specific place was my container right mm -hmm. um i was going back to puerto rico or kind of like the first big kind or not big but like the first kind of substantial body of work i made i made in puerto rico i was living in boston after college um which is where i went to college also and um i was working you know whatever like job i could that i could kind of quit soon after um and <laughs> save up a little bit of money and then i would go to puerto rico and make photographs there and then i would come back <laughs> and i was making photographs like in my family's house and on their land basically mm -hmm. whereas now i think one of the things i'm working through is how complicated the idea of place can be when, um, for example, I've been um, reading the poetry of Warson Shire, hmm. and she has um, this poem called Home, and one of the lines says, um, no one leaves home unless home won't let you stay. And this idea of home not letting you stay and like a place not letting you stay really resonates with me. Um, and thinking about like my family's migration to the United States from Puerto Rico um, and the um, very the layers and generations of migration that have happened like before my lifetime in the present and surely into the future of people leaving Puerto Rico and like how complex the idea of home or belonging to a geographical place is. <laughs> um, in, in our current times because of climate change, because of various political crises, right? It's important. It's important, yeah, yeah. yeah. And can you like take a place, like can a place live inside of you somehow, hmm. you know? Right, so not necessarily dealing with the actual place itself, but more mm -hmm. as this, I don't know, Yeah. something that is inside you that you can manifest yeah. wherever you are. Exactly. Hmm. Like the mark of a place on you, you know, like how has a place shaped you, for example, hmm. you know, um, and can place be conjured, you know, anywhere like my mom has this like lime green wall in her living room. That is so interesting mm -hmm. to me. That just like looks like the jungle that used to be in her mother's uh, yard and you know, or can like a sense of belonging be conjured like between, instead of belonging to a place, like can you conjure belonging like between people, you know, or like, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like what other, right? Like what alternate ways of belonging right, exist or can we be a part of right. without place? Right. That's what's floating around, mm -hmm. floating around up there. Floating around up there. It's interesting that uh. you say that because I've been collecting images of um, dust storms, actually, like Saharan dust. Do you mm. know about this? No. Okay. So every year, I think multiple times a year, um, Saharan dust 
from the Saharan Desert. Really, really tiny ground down um, particles of sand get swept up into the air and carried across the Atlantic hmm. Ocean mm-hmm. and spread throughout like Caribbean nations, sometimes like the south of the United States, southeast of the United States. Um, and I first learned about it in Puerto Rico when I, when I noticed that like the sky would be really pale blue on some days. I'm like, what is that? Is that mm-hmm. haze? Is that smog? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I'm having a harder time breathing than usual. And then I realized that it was literal earth wow. from the other part of the world, you know, this, the other side of the world. It's kind of carried in a cloud across the ocean uh-huh. and then <laughs> kind of dispersed throughout. <clears throat> um, and it was just kind of this really interesting um, metaphor, you know, in a way for like, yeah, place can be watery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And move. That's crazy. I'd never heard of that. That's mm-hmm. that's very. It's wild to think about. Mm-hmm. Is that actually true? How does that actually? Yeah, yeah, it's true. We wow. can look it up. I can show you like gifts. I have like a whole folder of like NASA gifts huh. <laughs> on my hard drive. And it's crazy because it's really beautiful. Like the image, the image, like the meteorological image is like really fascinating. But on the ground, it's like really hard for people like my brother for example like it it bothers his lungs and anyone who's kind of asthmatic like you know it's not yeah like it's harmful to people crazy yeah like you're literally breathing in earth yeah i mean you make a lot of work about clouds in the sky i mean it's a a big it's a big it's a big subject matter for you yeah totally totally anything that is like shape-shifting like Mm -hmm. i love things that are kind of constantly shape shifting or like resist a single form yeah clouds are like that for me and then these dust clouds are that for me right it's this like place that is constantly shape shifting yeah i love it i have to say this has been so nice doing this with you today oh thank you yeah (laughs) i feel like we went in all kinds of interesting directions that i don't know yeah i hadn't thought of and yeah (laughs) that's always how it happens it's always how it happens it's like the art practice it's like making art totally totally thanks so much thank you That was my conversation with Genesis Buzz that we recorded in New York. This episode is produced by me, Jordan Weitzman, and was edited by Ellen Payne Smith. Original music for the show by Adam Feingold. To find out more about the show and our books that we've published over the past year and a half, visit us at magichourphoto.org and follow us on Instagram at magichourpodcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Happy holidays and... See you next year. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.